Hey, this is Gerda, and you're listening to an episode of the Villainous Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join us. Grab your favorite cup of tea, coffee, or the newest episode of your favorite sitcom, as this time I am discussing one of the most powerful beings in all of Marvel, the Scarlet Witch. What has caused her to become a villain? And now that she is one, could she ever return to the hero she once was? Let's find out, shall we? Enjoy! Before I continue with this episode, I want to issue a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or the Disney Plus series WandaVision, please go and see both first. I will be discussing them in great detail. Unless you don't care about being spoiled, in which case, welcome. Now, on with the show. There are characters that I find instantly likable. They walk across the screen once, and that's it for me. I'm a fan of theirs. I watch every new film or TV show they appear in. I waste hours and hours re-watching scenes, searching for pictures on Google, and God knows what else. I would say most of the villains I've discussed so far have had that effect on me from the start, apart from Professor Moriarty. As I mentioned in the first episode, I wasn't fond of him straight away, but when I fell for him, I fell hard. This is also the case with the villain that I'm discussing today. Since the premiere of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I'm just going to call Doctor Strange 2, there has been a lot of discussion about a certain Marvel character. Wanda Maximoff has been a fan favourite for years at this point, and I always understood why. Her story really draws you in. You feel for her when she loses her brother, the only family she had left. You also feel for her when her country gets destroyed. And you really feel the love between her and Vision, right until his tragic end. Wanda's story definitely doesn't leave you cold, unless you don't have a heart. She has been in the cinematic universe for seven years at this point. You could even say eight if you count her appearance in the after credit scene of Captain America Winter Soldier. During this time, her character has been on quite a journey and she's definitely the most powerful Avenger there's ever been. And yes, that means that I think she's even more powerful than Captain Marvel. Of course, I wouldn't be discussing Wanda at all 
if she couldn't be considered a villain. After Doctor Strange 2, this is exactly the turn her character has taken. I saw that film as soon as it came out and I absolutely loved it. Along with WandaVision, it represents the next chapter in Wanda's story and continues it really well, in my opinion. Both WandaVision and Doctor Strange 2 made me fall in love with Wanda's character. I didn't exactly start out loving or even understanding her. However, I always found Wanda to be more interesting than Captain Marvel, for example, who gets super powerful out of the blue and has to do exactly zero work to deserve or even develop her powers. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that Captain Marvel is my least favorite of all the Marvel films. It's just a shoe-in, really. Before WandaVision, Wanda never had a story of her own. Not in the cinematic universe, at least. She always operated on the sidelines, which is why her motivations and even her powers were a bit hard to understand. I do think the air of mystery that has always surrounded her always fascinated me to a certain degree. My interest in her grew even more when I found out about her story in the comics. For example, she is Magneto's daughter, who himself is one of the biggest villains in all of Marvel, and leaving aside that legacy, she also does some really messed up things on her own. There is this one time where she decides to create a reality without mutants, and another time when she kills Hawkeye and Ant-Man, and there's also that one instance when she tries to get it on with her own brother. Now, leaving aside that last part, as much as I know, Wanda has always been the Scarlet Witch in the comics. But it's a story that's definitely taken a little longer to brew in the films. It was clear that this was where her story was heading. But when it would get there was really the question. Now that we have reached that point, I couldn't love her more. I am still surprised that quite a lot of the fans and even some of the critics didn't love the latest addition to her story the way I did. Some articles I saw after Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I will from now on call Doctor Strange 2, honestly baffled me. There were titles like Doctor Strange 2 made Wanda a villain for no reason. And, to be honest, Wanda's actions in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness didn't make sense. Now, these are some pretty generic titles, but I'm sure there's like a lot more where that came from. On top of that, I kept on seeing like comment after comment all around the place, and I think in BuzzFeed as well, claiming that Doctor Strange 2 didn't properly continue on from WandaVision and that it disregarded 
Wanda's story from that show. I disagree with both points, and me arguing against them is what really is the basis of this episode. It's actually quite funny to think that I used to have a schedule full of bullet points that I followed almost religiously. It's really gone out of the window these last few times, and it will continue to stay there. After all, it's really about discussing the themes and the topics that are crucial for that particular character. And that really varies from villain to villain. I have to say, when it comes to Wanda being the villain, I do understand why that's not necessarily easy to take. As humans, we always get very fond of our heroes. I think we all love to answer questions like, who is your biggest hero? It's no wonder that the superhero industry, although based on fictional stories, has boomed the way it has. Now, think about that hero you told me you loved a second ago. What happens if they do something that completely shatters that picture you have of them? Maybe they are a sexual predator. Maybe they hit their spouse. Maybe they are secretly putting millions and millions of tax money into their pocket. If you think about it, there are about a million ways our heroes could disappoint us. And it's really a wonder why we as a human race have decided to walk on such a thin ice. So the idea that Wanda, who we have perceived to be good, is now murdering people left and right and has completely lost her mind can already be hard enough. Unless you're like me and you just love to see heroes go bad. But there is also the fact that there are traumatic instances of this that we've had to go through in the past. And we're just not fond of doing it again. Need I remind you of a certain queen with light hair and three dragons, once the most idealistic and genuinely good-hearted character in her universe? A certain queen that became evil across just a couple of episodes, whether it was because her lover had a claim to her throne, or her best friend died, or she just heard some bells toll and it really made her go mad. A queen that once had people name their children after her, but now remains a cautionary tale of bad writing. She is and always will be on our minds when it comes to, to this topic. Daenerys Targaryen, in my opinion, was always meant to end up as the Mad Queen. It's just that the people whose hands she was in were only focused on rushing the series instead of giving her a proper development. I discussed this topic before and I feel I will continue to in many episodes to come. Writers these days seem to often think 
that turning someone good or bad is as easy as turning the lights on and off. However, what they seem to completely miss out is that someone turning either good or bad is a process that often takes many years to come into effect. And yes, this also applies to the magical world, because at the end of the day, the human mind is still the human mind. We are talking about changing your whole mindset here. And when that happens, there have to be strong personal reasons behind it, whichever way you end up going. Okay, well, there are some cases where some girls go bad because they're in love with like a really cute but also a homicidal bad boy. But even though this has happened in real life, I would consider these to be exceptions to the rule rather than the rule itself. So the fact that someone as legendary as Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen, the first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, you get the gist, didn't get the treatment she so clearly deserved, it stings. I get it. It really stings. The fans are still hurting about it and you know what? I don't blame them. And it's not even the only case out there. There are dozens, many mangled up bodies of potentially great villains. Like the Dark Phoenix, for example, who was great in the comics but has never been successfully adapted. I could go on and on when it comes to examples. But the point is that this has happened way too many times. And if I'm honest, it will continue to happen. It does make me wonder, has this perhaps made us feel a little too afraid of losing some of our heroes to the bad side? If so, it is simply something we have to deal with. There are and always will be those characters that go bad. It should always happen because that's real life. This is not Soviet-era literature where good characters had to be 100% good and pure. The further we go in our time, the more we see morally ambiguous characters. For example, in the Amazon series, The Boys. As human beings, it's important to realize that there is darkness in all of us. And we are all actually capable of being villains. Now, whether we actually choose that path is really the question. The process of a hero turning into a villain is and always should be a very time-consuming one. My best friend is probably tired to death about me raging on about Attack on Titan. But in my mind, that show has one of the best hero-to-villain stories I've ever seen. Aaron Yeager's story of going from a hero to an absolute monster is one that I have very much enjoyed following. It's terrifying 
but also beautiful. It's rough and honest writing, and it's fucking fearless. In the actual anime, there is four entire seasons devoted to it. My most watched YouTube clip in the last six months is where Eren finally becomes the massive founding titan and starts the most apocalyptic event his world has ever seen. Oh, what a scene it truly is. Even if it may seem a little rushed or an event that has come out of nowhere, I do see a great hero-to-villain story in Wanda as well. If it was, in my mind, based off of bad writing, I wouldn't even consider doing an episode on her. Or I would probably do it like, way down the line, maybe like if I did like villains I hate or villains that bore me or heroes who weren't successfully turned into villains, something like that. I also feel that Wanda going bad, even though it was done as a twist, is the natural continuation of her story. And we should have all really seen it coming. Wanda, if you think about it, actually started her story as the villain in both the comics as well as the films. In her first appearance in the comics, she's a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is a group led by Magneto. In the comics, even leaving her father aside, she does actually deal quite a lot with the X-Men. Of course, Marvel didn't have the adaptation rights of any of the X-Men stories at the time, which is why they had to figure out a completely new story for Wanda. So instead, she volunteered to help Hydra, which is likely the most evil organization we've seen so far in the cinematic universe. After her parents died, her and her brother Pietro, who I will only call Quicksilver at this point, volunteered to be a part of Hydra, and eventually ended up working for Ultron. Over the years, Wanda has become one of the most tragic characters in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Her life is completely stained with grief. It never seems to end for her. She just keeps on losing one person after another. You are listening to a person who knows at least a fraction of what that is. I've lost quite a few of my family members over the last years, and I can attest to the fact that I am absolutely and utterly tired of death. In your 20s, it's easy to see yourself, as well as everyone else around you, as invincible and immortal. Until that first death happens, and it shatters through your pretty picture. And then another one comes, and then another, and another, until you lose count. It's clear that for Wanda, these deaths started coming way too early. She was just a child when she lost her parents. Ever since that... Grief and loss has been so dominant in her life that it's clearly affected her mentally. 
I would argue that sometimes these deaths are so hard to take, they cause her to completely change her side in the great scheme of things. And it's always for the bad. I talked about Daenerys before. If we compare Wanda to her, it's clear that Danny, in the beginning at least, is a lot more good-hearted and pure. She is seen as this like saviour figure and she wears more heroic colours like blue and white. Wanda, however, never was a typical hero, even as an Avenger. Scarlet, the colour that she has always worn, actually has a sinister meaning. If Google is to be believed, Scarlet symbolises the blood of Christ and Christian martyrs. It's not exactly a colour you would give your biggest hero. Then there's the fact that Wanda's powers always were darker than those of her fellow Avengers. As a member of the team, she keeps it relatively light, mostly using telekinesis and energy manipulation. When she is also, for example, capable of mind control and inflicting terrible nightmares on her victims. Her reality-changing powers, the ones that really draw her towards the dark, don't really come into effect much before WandaVision. I would argue that this is the point where her powers not only develop, but we as an audience realize what she is actually capable of. Now, I mentioned that grief makes Wanda change the side she is on. And there are three specific times in her story when this happens. I'll call them three doorways to evil. The first one we've, of course, gone over. It's her parents' death and her joining Hydra. Or as Agatha Harkness puts it, your reaction to the bombing of your civilian apartment building and the murder of your parents was to join an anti-freedom terrorist organization. Well put, Agatha, indeed. <laughs> Let's now move on to the second door, which happens right before WandaVision. As I said, Wanda has never been the most heroic and the most pure out of all the Avengers. In my mind, she's never been too far from going dark. It is actually mentioned in WandaVision that it's really Vision that pulled her back to the light. When he dies in Infinity War, it's an absolutely crushing event for Wanda. I mean, think about it. Not only does she have to kill him first at his own request, but then she has to watch Thanos resurrect him and kill him all over again. Such a death of a loved one would mentally destroy anyone. And it's even harder for Wanda, considering she's lost everyone else already. What makes it worse is that after all the events of Endgame, where the other Avengers get some form of like a positive ending, she doesn't have anyone to rely on. She doesn't have a Ned or an MJ like Spider-Man, or a Wong like Doctor Strange, 
or a spouse and kids like Hawkeye, she is completely alone in this world. So when she arrives in Westview, I would already argue that she is at the doorway of becoming a villain. Whether she realizes it or not, when she creates her new world, she is simultaneously taking thousands of people hostage. The magic she uses now is weird, unpredictable, and it eventually evolves into what Agatha Harkness calls chaos magic. These sorts of unpredictable powers is what the Scarlet Witch is really all about. What is notable here is that this is the first time Wanda is using her powers only for herself. Good or bad, she's not serving anyone else with her magic this time. She isn't even doing it for vision. What is sad is that when she starts creating her own world in Westview, in her mind, she is creating this happy little sitcom world for herself and the others. But in actual reality, she's holding people hostage. And even though this feels like true happiness for her, she also doesn't realize that she isn't helping herself. She's holding on to vision so much that she's breaking the very laws of nature with it. The way Wanda gives birth to her children is a great example of this. Everything about that scene is weird and unusual and unnatural. It not only happens during a very short period of time, but it's also something that realistically should not be happening. Since she has recreated vision with her magic, it means that her children are essentially born from magic as well. They aren't therefore a product of two living beings getting together, but rather they are born out of nothing, really. It makes me think of that one time that Melisandre gave birth to that shadow monster in season two of Game of Thrones. Of course, in that case, it happened as a result of human sexual interaction. But everything else about that process was just purely magical and just wrong, I mean, it gives me the heebie-jeebies till this very day. It was just gross. So the fact that uh, Wanda goes to such lengths, she breaks the very laws of nature to have her own family, already proves that she is a villain at the start of WandaVision. Heroes are always meant to care more for others than themselves. And even though it doesn't become apparent straight away, Wanda has already gone past that point. However beautiful and even peaceful her world may seem, it's built on pure selfishness and Wanda's inability to let go. This is not just the biggest grief she has experienced so far. This is the first time Wanda is actually having problems letting someone go. 
it's like she is stuck in the first stage of grief, which is denial, and she isn't able to move forward. I would even say that she's not just in denial about Vision's death, but also about what she is doing to the whole town of Westview. I mean, imagine you had someone in your head controlling your every thought and also what you do because it fits their story. I mean, it kind of feels like the Marvel version of the movie Get Out. Every time one of the townspeople gets briefly released from Wanda's influence, you see the actual horror they are suffering through. They beg to be freed and even killed, to be able to sleep or hug their kids. Natural things people do every day. And instead, they have to play one of Vision's colleagues or play one of the guests at Wanda's Halloween party. And honestly, you can sit over there and tell me, oh, but Wanda comes to her senses. She eventually sees the evil of her way. She frees the people of Westview. God, I actually kind of hate saying that name. Gets my tongue all twisted. Anyways, she, she frees all those people. And yes, that is true. But I would rather say she does it because there's no other choice. To make it worse, even though she lets them go, she simply flies away and doesn't even say sorry. I mean, imagine someone did something that horrible to you, and not only did they not get punished for it, they didn't even apologize. I mean, I would be livid. And let's not forget that Wanda isn't exactly happy at the end of WandaVision. I would argue she is actually unhappier than ever before. Not only has she lost Vision again, but she also had to sacrifice her two kids, who she grew to love very much. I've seen WandaVision several times at this point, and that, you know, when she says goodbye to her kids and she makes you know vision disappears it's still really hard for me to watch and i'm sure there's you know i'm sure you guys feel the same way it's really hard for me to watch it's just you know the pain she must have gone through she had to sacrifice her own dreams and her own family for what she would call the greater good. I mean, yes, it's good to live a life where you try your best to make sure the others are happy. But at the same time, if that greater good means you have to suffer that much, wouldn't it make you at least a little bitter toward being a hero and being good? Because I can imagine that from Wanda's viewpoint. Being good is hard. It brought her the biggest losses she's ever experienced. Being a hero is dealing with limitations. 
always putting others first, always dealing with rules and limitations, and sometimes it's just too much. And to make it worse, heroes are always so obsessed with doing the right thing. And who even knows what that means? I mean, it's clear in some instances, like, if someone in front of you drops something, you should run after them and return that item to them. But it can also be incredibly ambiguous, like, would you kill a person you love to save millions of others? I mean, some of you would probably say in a heartbeat, but I know I would struggle with it. Living this heroic lifestyle 24-7 can become very hard after a certain point. So it doesn't make me surprised that Wanda becomes disillusioned. It's actually hard for me to see why some fans would think that Wanda would end up being good and pure after the end of WandaVision. Not only would she have an incredibly hard time being a superhero, considering the people probably wouldn't trust her, it's also clear that during WandaVision, she has gone past the point of no return. This isn't just her messing with the forces of nature, it is also her finally becoming the Scarlet Witch. When we talk about Wanda's transition to the Scarlet Witch, it's not something bright and super positive like Sailor Moon and other anime magical girls transforming, like, you know, there's this music, do, 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 you know, and it's like all bright and like, you know, it's, it's beautiful. But when Wanda actually transforms, the music that plays is like, do, 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 do. oh my God, that was horrible. Anyways, it's, it's sad. It's even tragic, I would say. And what adds to that is that Agatha Harkness, who sees it all happening before her, is horrified. She's like, oh my God, what have you done? She said a lot of things about Wanda. She's mocked her plenty. But whenever she's mentioned the Scarlet Witch, she always gets super serious and ominous. For example, she mentioned that unlike other witches, the Scarlet Witch has no coven and no need for incantation. That she's also more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's her destiny to destroy the world. I mean, think about it. This is all written in the Darkhold as well. There's a whole chapter devoted to her. If the Scarlet Witch is destined to destroy the world, and Wanda has finally become her, how could she ever go back to being pure, if she ever was? If she actually returned to being a hero in Doctor Strange 2, now that would be the film disregarding what happened in WandaVision. And I'm so glad it didn't. By this moment, Wanda has already proceeded through the third and final doorway to evil. 
we don't exactly know how long the period between Wanda Vision and Doctor Strange 2 is, but it's clear that Wanda has grown and settled in her new role during this time. Even her makeup is darker and her costume looks different. It's actually a bit ironic that neither the audience nor Doctor Strange himself realize how much she has changed and who she even is at this point. I think it's actually funny how Doctor Strange goes to Wanda to ask for her help and he like offers to get her back on the lunchbox. Knowing where Wanda's mind must have been at that point, I think it's clear that the Avengers lunchbox is the last thing she is thinking about. But you would also think that someone as smart as Doctor Strange would have figured out what was really on Wanda's mind. Not that he can read thoughts, but you know what I mean. Not only is she still clearly traumatized by the events of WandaVision, and she is still practicing chaos magic and changing reality, but after defeating Agatha Harkness, she has also come into possession of the Darkhold, which is the Book of the Damned. I do think it's possible it's one of the, if not the most darkest object in all of Marvel. It is said that it corrupts everything and everyone that it comes across. And as Wanda at that stage is already being villainous and is vulnerable to darkness, it's no surprise that the book starts to affect her rather quickly. So basically, by coming in and asking for her help, Doctor Strange has sent the villain his own personal invitation to come and fuck some shit up. And boy, does she. I feel that Wanda has definitely been underestimated throughout her life. And in Doctor Strange, she is underestimated by both the audience as well as Doctor Strange and his whole magical community. I mean, even the Illuminati, for example, thinks that she isn't really the real problem. They aren't willing to get ready for her attack. They're more like concerned with Doctor Strange, which I think is just incredibly ignorant. And the fact that they all die is just fitting. <laughs> I do feel that the amount of power Wanda has at this point as well as how far she's willing to go, did actually surprise even me. I must admit, it took me a little while at least to figure out exactly what her motivations are in this film. Although now that I've had a chance to sit on it a bit, I do think I understand. So it's again this thing about the laws of nature. In her mind, I can imagine Wanda thinks she's not asking for a lot. And it's true, because the basic idea of her dream is very simple. She wants a family of her own with the man she loves. But even more, 
She wants this happy American sitcom life she craved, even when she had her parents back in Sokovia. But where the problems start to arise is her wishes aren't exactly possible. She doesn't just want a random family because she could have it easily. She wants a certain version of her family. First of all, she doesn't want kids with some random asshole down the street. She wants them with vision only. Second of all, she wants the exact same kids she had with him in WandaVision. But that's not exactly possible without some serious magical intervention. I mean, if you lose your kids and you manage to give birth again after having sex with the same man, those kids are not going to be the same ones you had before. The kids you would give birth to would be different each time. You can't have like a carbon copy of the exact same children again. Because that's not how genetics works. So now, Wanda's problem that seemed easy to fix is now a lot more complicated. Uh, It's not impossible, however, and Wanda knows this. They say in the Marvel Universe, at least, the dreams you see are the lives lived by versions of you in different multiverses. Wanda keeps on seeing dreams about her being the mother of two boys. The exact same ones she had in WandaVision. For some reason, even though White Vision exists, there is no vision anywhere this time. But yeah, the kids are the exact same ones. However, even someone as powerful as Wanda isn't able to find a way to her kids until she hears about America Chavez and her multiverse powers. The way Wanda as the Scarlet Witch relentlessly chases Doctor Strange and America Chavez through multiverses is actually really scary. I mean, they are not joking when they say that, that Doctor Strange is the very first horror film in the Marvel Universe. I know films like these never get nominated for Oscars, but I do think Elizabeth Olsen should win some sort of an award for this performance, because it's absolutely amazing. Considering her character is not only using some really advanced powers, as well as doing some truly horrible things to innocent people, It does take a lot to pull off as an actor. So, hats off to her. I don't normally get scared by villains in superhero movies, but I must say there were definitely moments where the Scarlet Witch well and truly frightened me. One of them was when she breaks through the mirror dimension and you, like, see her eye in one of the mirror charts. It was like one of those jump scare moments. And another one is when she's chasing Doctor Strange uh, and Christine and America through the tunnels. As she is also absolutely ripping through the Illuminati, 
which, as I mentioned, they are a very pompous and a very self-righteous organization who didn't take her seriously. Uh, she does have like blood on her face and she actually kind of reminds me of Stephen King's Carrie. We'll have to see about this in the future, but Carrie is definitely one of those stories I really, really love and I'd love to do like an episode on it as well. The only criticism I do have is I honestly wish some of the members of the Illuminati were able to show at least a little more resistance when facing Wanda. I mean, some of them were the biggest heroes Marvel Universe has ever had, like, you know, Mr. Fantastic or Captain Marvel or Captain Carter and so forth. But it especially goes for Professor X, who I just wish wouldn't keep on dying over and over again at this point. Now, if you don't know this in the comics... Professor X is actually able to take a stand against the Dark Phoenix, who is likely more powerful than Wanda ever was. Does, like Wanda, have these like sort of mind-controlling powers? The Professor is actually able to go into the Dark Phoenix's mind, and they have this like epic battle, after which the Dark Phoenix vanishes and turns back into Jean Grey. When Professor X faces Wanda, not only is it a missed opportunity to have one of these epic battles inside the mind, he also dies just way too quickly, in my opinion. He has the most powerful brain in all of Marvel, and this is the sort of space where he should be able to dominate, at least for a while. I mean, he can control other people, for fuck's sake. But hey, even if he isn't able to overpower Wanda, what hope does anyone else have? I mean, in the end, it is clear that no one is able to defeat Wanda. I mean, you could criticize her for how she gets so powerful so quickly. I have an explanation for that as well. So it's first of all, of course, because of the spells and the power of the Darkhold, but also based off of solely visual perception, right before Wanda becomes the Scarlet Witch, she doesn't only draw her own power back to her, she does absorb Agatha's power as well. Agatha, of course, said that taking power from the unworthy is her thing. So she, at that point, has absorbed the powers of her entire coven and probably quite a lot of other people. Now, if you put the dark hold as well as the newly absorbed powers together, I think it makes sense why the Scarlet Witch becomes immensely powerful. She is so powerful, in fact, that it reminds me a bit of Michael Langdon in American Horror Story. If you guys have seen it, in the end of season eight, he's so strong 
that even the most powerful characters in that story aren't able to defeat him. So instead, uh, they go back in time and run him over with a car when he's still a relatively powerless teen. What realistic storytelling indeed. At least nothing like that happens with Wanda. I do actually appreciate the fact that no one, not even Doctor Strange, is able to defeat her. She isn't thrown off a cliff or stabbed or anything else silly that would make her yell no when she dies. In the end, the way she goes is her choice and hers alone. I respect that, and I think this is the one and only way for her to go, if she is truly gone. I think in the end, especially as the Scarlet Witch, Wanda is an excellent example of what happens when you get so consumed by both your grief as well as your dreams. She finally sees it for herself, when her own sons in the multiverse fear her. I mean, what a painful thing to go through, especially since she's had to fight so much to get herself here. What is beautiful in that moment, however, is that the mother of the two boys, the Wanda in the multiverse, even though she was controlled and made to do terrible things by the Scarlet Witch, is able to show her kindness in the end. I feel that this is where Wanda as the Scarlet Witch well and truly realizes the error of her ways. If there is a general theme to phase four at this point, I feel Wanda is at the very heart of it. Phase four is very much about trauma. It's a phase that deals with some truly difficult and heartbreaking topics and puts our heroes through some very tough challenges. Spider-Man in the end of No Way Home does not get a super happy ending. Not only is his aunt dead, he asks for everyone else to forget him so that the world could be saved. Doctor Strange faces the fact that he is very capable of turning dark when he witnesses the actions of several versions of himself across different multiverses. Phase 4 is where Wanda's trauma and darkness, which have been brewing in the background, come well and truly to the light. During her time as a hero, she was the most powerful Avenger without question. But especially after Vision died, it's become clear she's one of the loneliest characters in all of Marvel as well. Even lone wolves like the Black Widow have more people in their corner. I've definitely been lonely in my life. In fact, I would say it's been like that for, what, like 15 years or more. And 
at times like when I lived alone during the first ever COVID lockdown, it really drove me mad. But just like with death, my experience can't be a hundred percent compared to Wanda's, as she has just faced a lot more. Even in my darkest of times, I've had my family, I've at least had a couple of friends. She has no one. Absolutely no one. She may be a being of immense power, but after Endgame, the people who enter her life, like Agatha Harkness and Doctor Strange, are all looking to get a piece of her power, let's be honest. Wanda may be a being of great power, but at the end of the day, let's not forget that she is still human. When we all go through darkness and loss like that, it affects us mentally. How much more would it be when you are a superpowered being like Wanda? Even though I said I was satisfied with the way she went, I still hope this isn't the end of Wanda's story. Whether it would be her version in the multiverse coming back or something else, I would accept it all. I feel that now that Wanda has well and truly come to the spotlight as a character, it's not time to end her story just yet. I do, however, wonder, now that Disney owns the rights to the 21st Century Fox, is there at all a possibility that Wanda's story will finally be lined up with X-Men and especially Magneto? Considering that the Magneto, played by Michael Fassbender, should still be alive, I would say anything is possible. Unless they recast him on something else. In the end, I feel that Wanda has managed to pull off what Daenerys and other failed villains like her could not. As the Scarlet Witch, I see her as one of the most unique villains Marvel has ever had. For years and years, many of the Marvel films we've seen have had very mediocre villains. I mean, they couldn't even make Jude Law work in Captain Marvel. And he is a very capable actor. Wanda, however, is made of a different wood, as we would say in Estonia. Even as a villain, she has credible motivations and a lot of heart behind what she does. Her story touches you and shows you how too much trauma and loneliness can well and truly open the windows for darkness in our life, if we let it in, that is. And I have to say, the moment when Wanda transforms into the Scarlet Witch is definitely one of my most favorite Marvel moments in the recent years. If I ever made like a painting of a Marvel character, it would be a painting of Wanda in that scene where she's got like, you know, that ball of red energy and she's got those like red eyes. 
I would love to paint that. And hey, even if we don't see Wanda again, I'm glad she stepped through those three doorways of evil. It made her even more amazing than I ever knew she could be. Thank you for listening to the Villainous Podcast. You can find more information about the show on our social media pages. It's Villainous Pod on Facebook and Instagram and Villainous Pod C2 on Twitter. You can also listen to more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. Until the next time I see you, stay sinister.